Welcome to the Impact Multiplier CEO Podcast. If you're a chief executive, or if you think like one, and you want to create exponentially greater impact, then this show is for you. My name is Richard Metcalf, founder of X Quadrant. I coach some of the most successful and impressive CEOs and executive teams on the planet and help them achieve extraordinary results. And no matter how successful you've been in the past, there's always a whole new level of impact available to you. So if you're ready to play a bigger game than ever before, I invite you to join us and become an Impact Multiplier CEO. In this conversation, I speak with Kerry Gilder, Chief Executive of Colt Technology Services. Colt is a London-based telecommunications and technology solutions provider serving enterprises around the world. Kerry's a fantastic CEO, and as in this conversation, you'll see that coming through in terms of the clarity that she brings in terms of her own leadership philosophy, uh, understanding of how to create impact uh, in her company and beyond, and in the sense of her ambition, looking not just to change the world for her company and for her customers, but in the actual shift that she wants to see uh, in the whole technology sector uh, as a result of her leadership. So this is a fascinating conversation. It's also a pleasure to speak with a woman who's reached the, the heights in the corporate world uh, in the telecoms and technology sector. It's still all too rare. And um, I hope you enjoy this conversation and learn from it as much as I did. So here we are, Kerry Gilder of Colt Technology Services. Hi, Kerry. Hello. Hey, thank you for joining me today. I'm so pleased to have you. I'm pleased to be here. I'm very excited about this today. Well, um, well, let's just dive straight in um, because I'm yeah looking forward to all these all these topics that I know we're going to cover. We're going to look at your success formula, right, Kerry? You've um, you know you've you've really um, had a great career in telecoms and and tech. Uh, you're now CEO of Colt, and I want to dive into you know what's what's that journey been like, and what's your personal strategy been for creating impact. But before we go there, why don't you kind of give us a quick uh, elevator pitch or, you know, mini bio uh, life story in just a few sentences to kind of explain, you know, who you are, what cult is and what cult's up to, and just a little bit of the, the journey that's taken you to where you are now. Sure, Richard, I'd be happy to. So obviously, you, you said who I am. I'm Carrie Gilder, the CEO uh, for Colt uh, Technology Services. Uh, believe it or not, I'm a fifth-generation Coloradoan, so I was born way up in the mountains at 10,200 feet, and I grew up doing sports and still love them to this day. Uh, in reality, there was nothing else to do in my town, so that's <laughs> what we did. We did sports, and uh, that also led me to being a technologist. Uh, I also mm. started tinkering. My dad was an electrical engineer, and so I started tinkering around technology, and that's really where I started my love for technology. I received a degree in management information systems and had many jobs along the way, architecting enterprise and service provider networks um, from layer one all the way up to layer seven um, in the OSI model. And uh, so that's kind of where it started. In my spare time, I'm a wife of 24 years and I'm a mom of uh, two teenage children and I guess of three furry friends. Mm. So that's uh, 
that's kind of me in a in a nutshell. Yeah. If you want me to talk about Colts, I can do that as well. Yeah, well, actually, I'm interested, yeah, because I'm obviously slightly behind the times because I didn't know it was called Colt Technology Services. So you might just want to give us a little bit of that, that shift because I know obviously previously it was a you know, fiber-based telecoms player in the city of London, right? That was its roots. And so tell me a little bit now about what you're up to in that role. Yeah, it still is. I, I mean, as far as Colt goes, we are literally trenching forward <laughs> <laughs> with our purpose uh, to transform the way that the world works through the power of connectivity. And that ca- connectivity remains fiber-based, but we're also driving data and voice services. And these services we're driving around the world, whether it be over our infrastructure or over other service providers, infrastructure using technologies like SD-WAN and on-demand. I mean, we're connected to over 900 data centers, uh, which I believe last I looked is top on the list for Mm. cloud connectivity. And uh, that really is our drive going forward, making sure that we're leader in cloud, that we're driving on-demand, and we're continuing to be the innovator of that connectivity that powers, you know, our economies. Great. And just remind me, how many people uh, are in the organization? Right now, we have roughly uh, around uh, 5,500 people. We have another, you know, 12 to 1,300 um, uh, contractors uh, that work with us and, and are a part of the Colt family as well. Great. So this is a large organization. Um, obviously, there are larger, but it's, it's pretty significant. And, uh, and, you know, you're in the leadership role of, of this um, of this, um, whatever, almost 7,000 7, people at this point. So if you'd look back and think about what's your secret source, right? What have been the, the handful of, of factors, the things that have really driven your impact to date? You know, what would they be? If you look at um, driving impact, I think there's a couple things that come to the equation for me. I mean, one of them is... I've always had a strong core belief in making connections. Uh, I believe that these connections are literally one of the most basic needs of human existence. If you think about it, everything is connected and nothing operates in isolation. So I think uh, one of the biggest things has been acknowledging the importance of these connections, making new ones, and then nurturing the existing ones. And for me, this is what actually stimulates progress. Mm. That reminds me of a thing I read um, just the other day. It's, it's probably an old, an old phrase, uh, and it was it was used on personal relationships, although it would also apply to telecoms as well. Which was that you know your net works equal your net worth, and um, yeah, it's it's probably slightly simplistic, but actually the fact that mm, generally innovation and value creation and and all these things come out of connections is really what you're saying. Yeah, absolutely. So, okay, so your belief in connections and how would that show up? So, what, you know, how, what did you, um, so how did that, how did you turn that belief into a habit or a discipline or a way of working? Yeah. I, it's, uh, I, I, first of all, it's a daily habit for me. I, I, I make sure that I'm, I'm always connecting in, in one way or another, whether it be to my employees, my customers, my partners. Here, I'm making a connection with you. Hmm. Um, but, you know, after, for a specific instance, after I took over as the CEO in May, and I started to develop my leadership team, what I re- recognized very quickly is that we needed to pay more attention 
to the impact that Colt was having on the health of our world. So that connection between technology and the environment became front and center for me. And in a very short amount of time, we created a sustainability uh, steerco with our friends at uh, Colt Data Center Business. And we identified many things actually we were already doing and just weren't you know, mm. centered around and started working on how we could do more things like optimize our network. We have nine networks, but we really only need seven. So how could we optimize that network, remove that equipment, and actually reduce our carbon footprint by over 5,500 homes? We drove zero waste to landfill culture. We started greening our vehicles. Uh, and we drove, uh, for example, recycling and reuse in the rebrand uh, that we did um, just recently. And then so you know, to build that into your culture, uh, one of the things that we did is I created CEO awards, and one of those awards is actually uh, going on a ship to Antarctica in December of next year with the great adventurer Robert Swan, and mm. starting to learn from him and his community, making that connection into a grander mind base around sustainability and what we can do for the future. So it's that mm. that's one element of making right. that connection between and what, what I, in the environment. Yeah, what I love there was um, thinking it's almost like these, these conceptual connections, right? Because you go, there's tech, there's the environment. What's, what is the connection there? And then you start to go, well, what's that? You know, our network design and the environment, our data centers and the environment, our employee structure. And it's, it's always in the connections. In fact, um, we were talking early on about, uh, about teams, right? And I and I often love to say again, it's not so much the you know, it, it's actually the connections between team between the team members between other teams. Um, if you look at an organization chart, I'm always interested in what's the connections between the blocks, not the actual squares themselves, but what are the connections between the blocks? Because I think often um, that's where the the opportunities are. I so. would totally agree. I'm, I'm kind of addicted to connections, if you, <laughs> if you haven't <laughs> noticed, because I do see that that is where the power lies. I mean, mm. it, it really is. It's not in this very stringent hierarchy. Uh, mm. Organizations have to be like nature and there has to be a flow to it, which means that those connections, those connection points are actually where the value lies within an organization. It's not in this siloed roles yes. and responsibilities that are very, you know, stringent and have barriers around them. Yeah, that, yeah, I love to say that an organization is an organism. And actually, you know, I think the world's changing. I think we used to think of them as machines, right? The organi organizations were machines which we could re-engineer. But the problem is most machines, if you, when you put them into uh, fast-changing environments, they don't, they don't work, right? They break down, they become out of date. Whereas organisms which have strong connections uh, can evolve and, and adapt and, and remain healthy. So exactly. I love that. I love that. So, okay. So this, this kind of belief in connections, whether it's interpersonal relationships or whether it's drawing connections between other, um, you know, between other different subjects, different parts of the organization, different fields. Is there anything else that you'd add into your secret source? Well, I, I think the the other thing that I would add into the the secret sauce is that you know I I always kind of bring up my one of my favorite people in the world and and it's Marie Curie, 
And of course she was a scientist. So there's a, a draw to her because of that. But she had this strong belief in these elements. Um, and obviously hers were polonium and, um, and radium. And, and through those elements, like she, that's what she did. She used those every day in her daily life. She always was thinking about them. She always concentrated on them. And I believe in order to make these connections, you also have to have elements that matter. For me, they're human elements. So they're more around health, uh, happiness, you know, building that hope and that inspiration mm -hmm. and then driving harmony around us so that we can all, you know, drive for a better environment, a better world, whether it be like we just talked about a sustainability with technology and enabling that to be better rather than worse or whether it be looking at like we have had to do in the in the last year during the pandemic, the well-being of our employee base as, as they worked uh, remote and don't have that strong connection uh, via an office culture or environment anymore. I think that if you drive these elements in your daily life and your habits, then that actually uh, helps you to engage better, to lead better, and to drive what really matters, which mm -hmm. is an element of empathy in leadership. Yeah, I find this really fascinating, Kerry, because you, you've really developed a really clear, I think, leadership philosophy, right? You have this idea of connections, which is not the immediate thing that would come to mind if, you know, if you were to put somebody on the spot and say, what's, what's you know, your key... Uh, lever here right what's your your key strength right so it's something that you've thought about and you can articulate very articulately around these different areas whether it's your staff whether it's you know working within the industry or working internally or, or wherever it is and then you've got these I, I picked up there were four of them right hope happiness harmony and health um so obviously four h's right which um yeah. any preacher knows is the way to go if you want to hear have your message heard and so you know you you you've definitely got this leadership philosophy um where did that come from is that something you kind of came up with when you were at Colt and you were like okay I'm the CEO now I need to like have a have, have a message or is it something that you kind of developed very early on or is it something which has been with you but you've only recently brought it together into a um, something that's articulatable is that even a word it's something that's uh, <laughs> easily explained yeah where, where... I don't think it's a good question I, yeah so what I would say is I've been thinking about it for a long time so for the last probably at least five years, it's be it started to to take shape, but it's always been in my mind. Uh, when I've talked to people, they've asked, you know, what is your what do you want your legacy to be? What do you want your next job to be? You get these questions quite mm -hmm. a bit, and what keeps coming back to me is this level of optimist uh, optimism, this this level of driving uh, a healthy environment, you know, driving uh, hope and. And, uh, and, and culture, a culture that is embodied with a strong sense of purpose and community so that people can actually be happy and be themselves and, and drive uh, you know, that inclusivity that's required for us to enable innovation. And so you know, I think these connections became clearer to me in the last couple of years, um, but I've been dragging them with me along the way, not recognizing what to call them or how to name them. And what I've been able to do in the last two years is really start solidifying what the words are and then what that mm -hmm. meaning and belief and the, 
you know, the, the daily habits that I, that I do and that I drive behind them, whether it's driving diversity and inclusion in hope for a better world, or if it, it's, it's driving this level of inspiration through uh, a Monday musing that I do every Monday out to my employee base, which has an, an, an element of a personal story as well as elements back into the business so that they can, they can develop a better connection back with me and hopefully have some inspiration around mm -hmm. what we're doing uh, as a business, but also getting to know me a little bit better as their leader. So I think, yeah, um, yeah I think, you know, I think it's been evolving over time and it's in the last two years, it's just uh, started to, to frame out a little bit clearer. Yeah, I'm a great believer in the power of language. One of the things I work on, obviously, um, often with leaders and, and teams and organizations, is like, do we have a language that allows us to transmit the core ideas of our culture in a really simple way that's rather than an artificial kind of corporate way that people don't resonate with? And I think, yeah. but also that acts as an internal guidance system, right? So, um, as you said, like, if you're going into every session going, you know, how do I communicate hope happiness harmony and health or like which of these do I need to bring out right now in this meeting and this message then a it provides that mental model for yourself right to go am I actually in in the zone for where I said I wanted to be but I think you're right it also does create that connection so that actually people get that consistency from you because perhaps there's at least one of those coming out in every communication or every not even verbally articulated yeah. always but there's always it's they're going to get, oh, yeah, Kerry, she's this kind of person who's hopeful and generally pretty happy and trying to get a harmony and, you know, focus on being building healthy things, right? It might not be expressed yeah. by everybody, but they'll start to pick it up. So I love that. Um, I love that forethought that then almost simplifies things afterwards, right? Because you've done the hard work of getting it all sorted in your, in your brain. I think it also helps you to prioritize your time because as you mm. look back at your week, you can identify where you've been able to engage in those ways mm. and you can identify where you haven't and then recognize, okay, did I need to actually engage in that or not? If it wasn't associated with one of these. I mean, when I think about health, I think about, you know, first and foremost, I have to uh, look after the mental, the physical and the financial well-being of my employees, because mm. if that doesn't happen, then yeah. they won't be able to take care of my customers. At the same time, I have to look after the physical health of our network. I have to look after the mental health of our software and, I, and making sure that that's continuing to drive. Mm. And then I have to look after the financial health of the business so we can continue yeah. to grow. And so, you know, I think if I take these elements, I can always relate them back to a human or back mm. into the business and how I can actually relate them, you know, mm. to bring them together so that it's, it's, uh, it's kind of a dual purpose power. Hello, it's Richard here with a quick interlude. These conversations are all about upgrading how you think about creating impact. So here's a resource to help you do just that whilst staying fast and focused. The CEO's checklist for challenging times is a quick way to enhance your thinking and detect blind spots, even when things are moving incredibly fast and you're not sure what's going to happen next. You can get this powerful checklist of 17 world-class strategies by heading to xquadrant.com forward slash go forward slash challenging times checklist with a hyphen between each of those three last words. Now, back to the conversation.
Yeah, and it's interesting. I think I um, yeah, grew up in this, I grew up, I, my early professional experiences, right, were in this very intellectual, well, quite intellectual consulting culture. Um, and, you know, it was all about being the smartest person in the room, effectively, right? Um, and yet, you know, I re- now realize, you know, you can have smart and you can have healthy. And obviously, it's great to have both, but so many organizations, they put the focus on smart, as in, do we have a great business plan, strategy, uh, marketing positioning statement, brand message, whatever it is, which is all important, but actually the health is actually what makes you adaptable, what makes you resilient, what allows you to work across silos and innovate and all that other stuff. And I think often there's been a, traditionally there's been an over-rotation, I think, on to the, the analytical stuff, which geeks, I, can get, I can geek out on as well, but I think that the, the you know, do we actually have an organization that's healthy and that's building long-term uh, foundations right that are solid I think that's often something which is missing but critical mm. yeah I mean I, you're, you're speaking my language because I, I feel that that is the baseline that's the foundation and if you work from that foundation then everything else is going to come you know yeah. the financials are almost an artifact of that yeah. the growth yeah. is an artifact of that and so if you focus on that core that core element Mm. then everything else is actually going to come and it's not as hard to get. I mean, I'll just give you a perfect example of that. When I took over as the CEO, of course, the first thing that you're asked to do is look at the strategy for the next three years. And we mm. had just, we had just uh, rounded uh, the end of our, our, of our last five year strategy. So it was time to refresh and look at it again mm. And yeah, you know this very well, but as a consultant, um, a lot of times CEOs and management teams lean on the consulting arms very heavily to help them to drive that consultation to figure out what that next you know, strategy is going to be. What I decided is actually that's not the way we need to do this. We need to have a strategy that Colt built and that was made from within, because if I build it from within, then number one, I have the knowledge within the company to know where we need to go. Yeah. Two, I have uh, a, a employee base that's going to embrace it because they mm-hmm. built it and we're going to be able to execute better on it in the end. And so we built 10 work streams mm-hmm. across the company and we, we made them cross-functional and hierarchically, hierarchically diverse. So we had graduates and we had senior executives on the same, t- same team but in this instance, they were just, you know, individuals bringing their knowledge and, and their understanding to the, to the organization. And out of the 10 work groups, seven of them, you know, uh, we ended up honing it down to seven different elements. And those mm. se- seven elements are now our strategy for the next three years. Mm. And the pride and the empowerment that that, that activity gave to the company. Yeah. And I'm so positive we came to the right answers yeah. because everybody is embracing it and you know we, we got a lot of proud to be a culty um, yeah. hashtags after that well when you when you make something you kind of own it right it's yeah. yours and um for some of my clients who occasionally have you know struggles with delegating or whatever it is then you know i'll say look it's better to be it's better to have a a 60 percent right answer with 100 percent commitment yeah. to it than it is a 100% right answer with a 60% commitment, which is what will happen if you just tell them 
or in your case, getting consultants in to tell you or whatever it is. And yeah. I actually, of course, the secret is it won't be that the one answer was 100% right because your answer would have probably going to be wrong and their answer is probably better than you think it is when you, <laughs> when you know all the stuff that they know. So, But I think that actually optimizing for uh, commitment and ownership is actually the better way to go because you will be able to course correct. If, but if people don't believe it in the first place, they'll just find reasons to say it wasn't their idea in the first place, right? And um, exactly things peter out. Yeah. So really fascinating. Um, I had another question for you, which is, um, um, I suppose a slightly personal one in many ways, which is, um, yeah, I, um, actually one of my assistants said, I'm so glad we've got a woman on the podcast, right? And um, I'm a father of a, a teenage daughter who, um, you know, who I'm also trying to encourage to see everything that tech can offer. She's, um, well, my son, like, all his teachers from day one have been going, oh, yeah, you're going to be an engineer. It's amazing. You know, she's equally good, you know, and she's an incredibly bright girl. Um, but I'm just aware there aren't that many female role models at very senior levels in tech. Um, so first of all, it's great that you are there, right, and to be a role model. But I just have to understand, what are your thoughts on that journey? Um, you talked about diversity earlier on. Yeah, you might see it. You know, was that an advantage for you? Was it disadvantage? You know, how do you see? How did you see that journey? And also, what are your thoughts on how diversity actually plays a role in creating impact? Yeah, well, first, I, I have to say I'm pleased to hear that uh, that you're delighted to have this conversation, and, and I appreciate you uh, engaging with me as one of the female leaders uh, in the industry. And, and I think you're right. You know, it's too rare. Uh, right now, I would love to have more peers uh, to reach out to and to, you know, to network with, um, but there's not that many. I think there's less than a handful of us in this position in the telecommunications and in industry right now. So, you know, I've been the unicorn in the room for my entire career, whether that's been as the single network architect in the room, you know, of, of a whole bunch of men designing a network for the Los Angeles Times or the only sales leader at my level across the entire globe uh, in my past company uh, to now actually in this CEO position. And I think you're right, although it's great to be a role model and I take that responsibility very seriously, I also think that we as an industry need to be the model for business progress around diversity and inclusion. So we need the networks. Yes, we do. Absolutely. You know, they're great. We, we at Colts have pride for LGBTQT+. We have Network 25 for women, United for race. We have Dan for disability and accessibility. And, and these are fantastic social uh, groups that have a shared community and can share, you know, the trials and tribulations of what they're going through as diverse uh, cultures in our environment. But these networks will not change the game. When we talk about changing the game, we need to really create that model for change. And that means that we need to be driving diversity as not a social and a moral imperative, but as a business imperative into yeah. driving the innovation that we need going forward. We need to include it in our processes. We need to drive it throughout our tools and how we're actually enabling our, our uh, employees to be successful. We need to 
not only recommend it, but require it from our partnerships. Mm -hmm. And we need to start measuring what matters. And, you know, one of the things that I'm starting to drive as the chair of the Diversity and uh, Inclusion Council for the TM Forum is this thought around a diversity score, much like we have NPS, we're starting to think about DPS, diverse, diversity and inclusion mm-hmm. performance metrics that we could use across the industry to help each other start to understand you know, what that foundation of good looks like mm-hmm. and then start helping each other to drive the areas where you know, one company or the other is doing better and to really drive change in the industry. Mm. Yeah, I'm always hesitant because obviously I know that as like a white, middle-aged, um, you know, Oxford-educated male or whatever, you know, I'm like the worst person to be talking about these things. You're the best. Um, you're the my... best person. <laughs> I, I'm but... not kidding. And I'm interrupting you, mm. but you're the best person because you're the one who actually can make the change. Yeah, well... I'll do my bit to it. And, and it's interesting. I mean, my, I, I have a background. I mean, you know, I've talked about my daughter. My sister's mentally handicapped. So I, I've, I've been involved in, in that part of things for a while. And I have my own, what I call my nano experience of diversity, which is, you know, I live in France. I'm an Englishman. I live in France. Um, uh, and so occasionally I get these strange situations where I'm the exotic feature, which is very rare, you know. <laughs> um, but uh, what I was going to say is I have my own insight about diversity because I, I got to admit for a while I was like, okay, it's like, it's a social justice issue. And I get that, yeah. but all this, like, oh, we'll make better decisions. You know, I wasn't quite bought into the idea. And then I started to really think more deeply about this VUCA world that we live in, right? Volatile, uncertain, complex, and ambiguous. And actually, you know, in a world of complexity and ambiguity where you don't even know, there aren't any right answers, you can't actually identify the single plan, the single path. Um, You do need multiple perspectives, right? You need to triangulate. because nobody's going to be able to bring the whole picture. And we all have these lenses by our personality, our upbringing, the language we use, all that kind of stuff. And we filter so much out. And I think that that insight for me was really going, that was the aha moment when I was like, oh yeah, like um, just psychologically, right? We're just looking at different things. We're finding different things and we're not going to see the whole picture. And so we need people who are really able to detect other nuances, other shades in, in the palette. I do think, and, and you, you're um, you're honing in on my uh, my one of <laughs> my very strong connections, and that's uh, to a diverse and inclusive culture and innovation. Um, mm. You can't innovate if you're all in the same room from the same place, driving the same ideas. You mm. have to have diversity in thought when you're innovating. Yeah. And you have to challenge each other and you have to have, you know, different perspectives that are brought to the table. And this is why I feel so adamant that if we're going to thrive as an industry, not just as a company, but as an industry, we have to start taking this more seriously yeah. because we won't be the innovators if we don't embrace diversity and inclusion. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, let's, um, let's shift gears a little bit and go into the future a little bit. Uh, as listeners will know, um, one of my fascination areas, you know, is what what a high performer needs to do to, to shift gears and find another level of impact uh, on whatever that yeah. looks like. So I guess my question for you, uh, Kerry, would be, 
what would the next level for you look like? You know, how would you love to multiply your impact uh, in the coming months or the coming years? What excites you? I mean, there, there's there's two things that really excite me. Um, one is really around developing others, and that's within my company and and driving um, a, a skill base within the organization from traditional telco to techco. And I think that transition we're starting to make, and uh, we're going to embrace and drive so that we can. You know, we can be the industry leaders and, and develop the skills that we need for the future. So that, that's really one aspect of it. The other aspect of it is what we just meant, what you just talked about. I think a lot of times when you get to this level and maybe over a coffee, a real cup of coffee at some point in time, I can go into deeper details, but you've, you've all but reached the pinnacle of the industrial hierarchy mm. as an individual when you become the CEO. Right. But if you look at the hierarchy as an industry, when it comes to diversity, inclusion, and sustainability, mm. we are at the bottom. Mm. So through my chair position on the DNI Council and the TM Forum, uh, when I talk about this DPS, I'm very serious about it because I do believe that the mission of that score is to help the industry as a whole do better when it comes to DNI and mm. even sustainability for that matter. And I think to have a metric to measure ourselves against each other, to enable a bit of constructive competition, to help each other understand the measures and changes we can make to drive real change, I would love to multiply my impact by getting this DPS score rolled out and adopted by at least a dozen of other companies and CEOs in 2021 and start using it as bonus leverage um, for CEOs so that we can really start driving real change and we can really start understanding what we need to do to truly make a difference and to start moving up the industry hierarchy when it comes to uh, DNI and sustainability. Yeah, I love that. So I'm going to, um, you've got me thinking, I'm going to start to think about some um, some other CEOs, perhaps other guests on this podcast. What do people, you know, if you're listening, right, who might want to join you in that quest? Because I think that's a great, a great vision. And I, um, I had this little leadership tool that I often share. It's very simple. I just, it's called a time and space grid and it's the impact grid. And you've got, you've got time and space. I wanted to call it the TARDIS or something, but I suspected I'd get um, sued for trademark infringement. But, um, you know, because the question is, where do we put our focus? And so, you know, you've got yourself, your family, you know, your, your team, your organization, um, you know, your customers, you've got your industry, your community, you've got the world, you've got the universe. And then you've got, that's the space angle. And then you've got the time, which is, am I focusing on now? You know, this minute, today, this week, this month, this year, next five years, 10 years, 25, this, my lifetime, you know, multi-generational. And often we want to change our impact we just have to realize where have we been focused and then decide and want to move on that grid so perhaps you've been focused let's say on my business you know my, my company quarterly right you can go well, what about my company in my lifetime or or my industry in the next five years and um you know or the world in the next 25 years you can kind of play around with that and start to see what possibilities open up so I think what I've heard there is that real shift to saying, well, yeah, actually, 
you know, the, the company stuff is kind of there. We need to kind of actually move to the industry level and then start to think a bit longer term to really build uh, a wave of change that would actually um, kind of, uh, well, multiply out. Exactly. Yeah, it's, ex it's exactly it. Because I think if we can change it for the, I obviously have a focus on the company as the CEO, but I also think that as the CEO, and especially as one of the only women in the industry in this position, I have a strong responsibility to try to impact the industry as a whole. Mm. Yeah, I really hear that in you. So just thank you for, for that, right? It's, you don't have to play that game. You've chosen to play that game yeah. uh, and have impact in that way, which I think is great. So, you know, thank you on behalf of uh, all these people who haven't yet, not getting the chances, right? Perhaps to shine yeah. in the way that they, they could. Well, hey, Kerry, this has been great. Um, let's probably wrap up for the sake of time. But um, if people want to find out a bit more about you, perhaps get in touch about this initiative um, on DPS or find out a bit more about Colt, what's the best way for them to do that? Uh, the best way to reach out to us on Colt is uh, www.colt.net. Uh, that's our, our refreshed, rebranded website. So please go take a look. And the best way to get in touch with me is via LinkedIn. So just look me up on LinkedIn and uh, happy to carry on the conversation. Hey, well, that's perfect. Well, hey, Kerry, I've really enjoyed our conversation. So um, many thanks for that and look forward to finding out more about how that initiative progresses. Excellent. Thank you. Thanks. Take care now. I hope you enjoyed this conversation. Now let's talk about you. When you're in top leadership, when you're in the biggest role of your career, who supports you at a deep level as you lead others? Who helps you multiply your impact and get to the next level? If you're ready to learn more about our content, our coaching, and our community, then visit us at xquadrant.com.